Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Glad you're with us. Second hour is here. Plenty of news notes and headlines as we begin hour number two. We're going to get into the NFL trade deadline and the college football playoff as the show progresses here. Two hours to go. Sixth and Peabody, our location, Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Daniel Snyder, owner of the Washington Commanders, uh, per uh, confirmation through the team, they, the Snyders have hired Bank of America to pursue options for selling the team. Now, what's not known are the specifics of this because he took on complete ownership of the team, what, a year or a year and a half ago now? with Fred Smith and others selling their stakes back to Snyder, which Bank of America also has debt in. So they have a stake in the debt that's owed based on whatever the sell was going for. And there are people like Michael McCann at Sportico and others who are saying, well, this, this is likely the sell of the franchise, but it doesn't necessarily mean that's what they're doing. They could also be opening this up for a minority sale, which is going to get a lot of people, you know, stirring the pot and trying to make sure that this is the time that they actually sell the franchise. But this is uh this has been an odd six months or so with, and I, it was a crazy off season altogether, but especially with the, the different meetings and Snyder being uh, told not to be around the team and everything else. And on top of that, the investigation that's going on on Capitol Hill, here's the report. And then the confirmation through the team that they are, going through Bank of America to explore options. And this will be the largest sell of a sports franchise that we've seen. The Washington Command. Yeah, it's about Is a it billion dollars more? more. Yep. So Rob Walton sold for 4.6 or bought for $4.65 in Denver. And the current estimated worth, according to Forbes, is $5.6 billion. That's- Almost $1 billion more for Washington than Denver. That's remarkable to me, given its stadium situation. I would have said if it had a stadium comparable to Denver's stadium, sure, a billion more. But it's got a terrible stadium situation. Daniel Snyder, at the time, bought for a record high price of $800 million in 1999. So if they sell, he's set to make seven times that amount in selling the team. And that's 23 years later. The worth of football franchises is just... Unbelievable! It's great news if you're well, a Washington a, fan. Yeah, think about the. I mean, worst, that's what that's what, what most fans no one want. wants out either. Oh, yeah. There's there's a reason that he you know refuses to sell. And Daniel Snyder's been alternately defiant and then quick to give in multiple times. You know, for a long time he said they're never going to change the name, and then guess what happened? They changed the name. Been very defiant. Even even the spokesman for the team after Ursay made his comments said it's very irresponsible for him to say this. We've completely changed the climate around the workplace, and we've made all these strides and everything else. And it was very much a defiant message of we're not leaving. 
And then now he's got Bank of America working on a sell of a team, which is, again, great news for the league, I think, and great news for fans of this franchise. And it goes, it goes through the, the case for the minority sell. As Sportico says, you know, the public controversies, everything else, he's been steadfast in his refusal to sell. And, you know, he's told associates through the ESPN report that he will never accept being ousted by the other owners. But this wouldn't be that. He's not being voted out here. Yeah, this, he'll so say I, he's doing it on his own terms. So my, my theory here, and again, that's just something I thought of when I saw the headline. Jim Ursay spoke out of turn at the owners' meetings where they surely were talking about this. This was three weeks ago. If an NFL owner is going to go through a bank to get the process going, at some point you're going to have to let the league know because the league gets to vote on who buys the franchise, not him. So I think this was talked about behind closed doors and Ursay popped off and everyone said, well, we shouldn't be speaking on this and no one did and Goodell had... Snyder's back in a weird way by saying we shouldn't comment unless things are confirmed. Though indications from Seth Wickersham, Don Van Natta, who are very tied into at least a few owners who spilled to them virtually everything that goes on in those meetings said that it wasn't discussed. Um, voting which, him out. Well, I, I Not think... Not selling the team, voting no, him out. I think Snyder in general wasn't discussed and that Goodell, uh, Goodell's thing was we're not going to talk about it until the investigation stuff is, is complete, which made Ursay's thing all the more weird because he brought it up kind of out of nowhere in right. that it wasn't being discussed, so he didn't come out of a conversation about Snyder and say something about Snyder. He was determined to say something about Snyder, whether or not Snyder was being discussed. So it'd be interesting the more we find out about about how it's going. Look, it'll be better for the league for him to be out of the league. Um, and it'll be better for the league if the people who replace him are creative, forward-thinking, um, good business people who know how to run an, an office in a... But in it, a and, and, they, and they now also get some way. say over who's going to take over, right? They This is one where they get to vote on that, and it's kind of a... Well, they voted him in too, by the way. Yeah, in 1999. Yeah. Um, but years later, that's proven to be a failure. So they get they exchange over but, 23 years. I mean, so from 1999 to I, now. I, I, I agree. It'll be better without him. But there are owners who will tell you they like him in the league because he's not a good owner. That makes their franchise better. Yeah. Because he sucks. And the so, attention's on him. Well, not just on him, but he doesn't run a good organization to begin with, even if everything's on the up and up. You know, they're they're spending all this money. They're hundreds of millions of dollars yeah, on the, contracts, and then they're not very good. The Giants, Cowboys, and Eagles probably like it. Well, it, it's separate of respective teams, I'm saying the league as a whole well, but is going also, to like to have him but out. But that's also very convenient for the league and the shield for a league that, you know, look around. Deshaun Watson's about to play. Yeah. Deshaun Watson is about to play after the commissioner said that they wanted a full year. Yeah, no, and he's they about to play. Spots. But so so spots. this whole like better for the shield and Daniel Snyder's come on. Well, I, just, I come on. I, Jimmy Haslam just hired it, it gave a guaranteed contract to Deshaun right. Watson. They, they speak out of both sides of their mouth all the time. My point is an owner is not a quarterback. There's one of 32 billionaire owners of the league that they have to do business with. And Deshaun Watson, for example, is not getting a vote on major league decisions. 
with the NFL. Um, Neither so, is Stephen Ross or Daniel Snyder whenever they're suspended. So they, they want, yeah, when they're suspended. Which is right now. Right, but at some point he's not going to be suspended if he holds on to the team. So either way, I think the league is going to be fine with this. I'm not saying the league is right in everything they do. I'm telling you, objectively, the league is happy that Daniel Snyder is going to sell the team. At least Roger Goodell is, if they get to deal with someone else, not with all this baggage. Here's a question for you guys from a branding money standpoint. Is this team worth more or less if the Redskins name was still attached to it. More. I think it's worth a lot more because of the history of that logo and the history of the Redskins organization before they changed it. I was thinking about that this morning. I'm yes. thinking, what is the price? Is it $6 billion? You know, how much does it go up if they never change the name or were ever forced to change the name? Or is someone going to argue that it's going to be less because sponsors will be afraid to attach themselves to it. Because that's ultimately, Daniel Snyder listens to the money. Yes. And he changed it because sponsors were pulling out. Well, that's why and, he changed it And his minority with. owners pulled out I'm just well. saying about it, just strictly from a transfer of business setting, I, if I mean, you still had the Redskins name and not Commanders, what's the difference in sales price? Does it go up or down? It's up. I, it's I, think still, it's, I think it goes up. I don't know how much, Even but I with think it's Commanders, it's going to set a new record. Right. It, regardless, he's going to get paid. Yeah, I mean, deal. you could have a team called the Blankety Blanks. Uh, and it's going to go for over $4 billion. Right. <laughs> Regardless of market. NFL property. Yeah. But $5.6 billion. $5.6 billion. It'll go for more than that if that's the asking, That's the value like the right value. now. And I was surprised that it was um, – but I was surprised even the starting point of what – and Forbes is pretty accurate on these, on these valuations – that it's a billion more than what Rob Walton just bought the Broncos for. Yeah, me too, because of the stadium. Who was who came in second place to the Waltons in Denver? Do we remember who else was in the conversation there? Because I would think they'd be first in on this, um, you know, if they weren't yeah. turned off by the Denver experience. It was like a marketing firm or something, wasn't it? Like a, a massive agency? Sounds familiar. Or one of the guys in the ownership group that either Elway, not Elway, either Peyton or someone else was with. But yeah. So names will start to float very, very soon on, on who the most likely people are. Well, on to top of that, though, you've it. also got the East Coast. You know, you've got the, the you own the, that part of the, the country where you've got 50% of all your fans are there. The Mid-Atlantic. So you, you have a nice little base there in Virginia, Maryland. So this is also yeah. the Bank of America also went the, the NBA and the Clippers went through that cell through Bank of America. So this is the same, the same setup. At least that's the perception of this. I have less trouble with Bank of America ATMs than I do with regions. Regions being one of my primary complaints lately. They don't own the uh, ATMs in their own parking lots. Um, Going back to the college football playoff, Tennessee number one and Georgia three, with hypothetically here, what's the path to get? Is is the Tennessee loss the only way to get three SEC teams in? Realistically today, based on the fact that they're going to need some chaos to happen for Alabama. If Alabama were to get a second loss, they're done, right? But yeah. if Georgia loses here but wins but it just wins out is that enough to get three in if Bama then beats Tennessee in a rematch 
regardless of just yeah, how I mean, things set up? Yes, I would say yes, probably, but there's a scenario that Ole Miss, who only has the one loss right now, they get Bama at home. Yeah. Bama beats LSU. Ole Miss beats Bama. Ole Miss goes to the SEC championship against undefeated Georgia and then beats Georgia. Then you've got one loss Ole Miss, one loss Tennessee, one loss Georgia, and those three teams could be in the playoff. But no, the the route to do it is Alabama wins the SEC with one loss to Tennessee. Georgia beats Tennessee, runs the table, loses to Bama in SEC championship, and then you've got Tennessee Bama SEC go. champion with one loss to Tennessee, Georgia SEC East champion, one loss to Bama, Tennessee one loss to Georgia. Yes. In a round robin, they all beat each other. That that's your that's your chance for three SEC teams. It's not going to happen. I, I just don't see I don't see that scenario playing out where there's going to be three SEC teams. I, I see. I think if they go by what we're told, they go by. But two SEC teams are likely. We already have. We've got four teams in the top ten. Where is Ole Miss? Thirteenth. Ole Miss eleventh, I believe. So right now we have five SEC teams in a twelve-team playoff. Yeah. Right now. And we're going to see Bama play LSU, Tennessee and Georgia. Ole Miss is going to get their crack after losing to LSU. I, I think if they're going by the criteria of how they're judging teams now, knowing we're going to see the head-to-head, they're telling us who the best teams are uh, resume-wise, and then the schedule should only improve based on that because all these teams are going to play each other. So if you're going to reward Bama for losing a close game to the number one team in the country, how could you not reward a a one-loss Tennessee or a one-loss Georgia Yeah, and I, in I the th- same respect at the end of the road. I think they would, but the problem then becomes if this is why Notre Dame needs to beat Clemson, for yeah, example. you got to get rid of Clemson. There's too many undefeated teams right now in that mix that it's going to take care of itself with Michigan, Ohio State, with Tennessee, Georgia this weekend. Some of them will weed themselves out, but a possible undefeated TCU winning the Big 12. Does it climb? Uh, a possible uh, undefeated Clemson's going to be in. That's one. If they go undefeated and win the ACC, they're in. I mean, and man, then it, and then Pac twelve or Michigan is in. You got a possible one loss Pac twelve champion. So does that one loss Pac twelve champion bump out the third SEC team? That's not a chance. Uh, didn't right? even go to the championship. So yeah, I, I don't. I don't foresee that happening. Hilarious quote from Lane Kiffin just now. This is this story's up at Outkick. He was asked about, first off, he's asked about his interest in the Auburn job. He said, we don't talk about those things. That's a compliment to our coaches and players, and this happens. I'm very happy in Oxford. He said something like that. Well, he said, I'm comfortable in Oxford or something. But then he was asked about Deion Sanders for the Auburn job, and he said, I think he'd be great. I think that's a great name, and they should hire him. That's what he said about Deion Sanders. Now, I hear that, and I laugh because this is Lane Kiffin trolling in part saying, I don't think Deion Sanders would be very good in our division I can be. if he was the coach at Auburn. So, yeah, they should hire him. When another coach at another school is saying, yeah, I think they should hire him, that makes me laugh, especially at a rival school that's going to play them every year. I, I mean, deep down, you think Kiffin would rather be at Auburn? Yes. I think if they make the last a strong offer years, to Lane Kiffin, I think he's gone. The last two years in Oxford – and how he has reassembled and retooled, and he has them 11th. To me, he can accomplish the same thing in Oxford. 
Now you can get paid more at Auburn. Maybe they'll pay more to the players. But yeah, it seems like he can sustain it. It certainly wasn't a flash in the pan. I've got a very For a second year in a row, though. He has everything in front of him. He's yeah, got I, the whole schedule's right there in front of him to take advantage of. I've got a very clear one, two, three at Auburn with one wild card. It is Lane Kiffin or bust if yeah. I'm Auburn, and then it's Hugh Freeze who will crawl mm-hmm. from Liberty there, and he will win at Auburn. And he will do whatever it takes to win. And his offense will score a ton of points, and they'll be fun to watch. Third, I'd say, is Matt Rule. That's going to get looks elsewhere. But th- that's the Bruce Pearl type hire, the outsider that could win. And the ultimate wild card, people may laugh, it's Deion Sanders. Because Deion Sanders fits the Auburn rogue renegade mentality in the SEC West. And he would get stacked recruiting classes at Auburn if he was the head coach. Now, I, I don't I don't know a lot about his coaching acumen. I don't know a lot about his Jackson State teams. I know they're undefeated, and they weren't doing well when he got there, and he's getting great recruits. Mm-hmm. So he's doing well in the FCS level. Deion Sanders is a name I would circle if I were Auburn if, again, if you don't go get Lane Kiffin, Hugh Freeze, or Matt Rule. Those would be my first three choices. Hit us up with your thoughts at OutKick360. as where you can find us. Um, Coming up, who won the NFL trade deadline? And better yet, who are the big losers based on the results of the deadline? With I'm all more interested the in the losers, pieces, by the way. All the, the moving pieces. And how about the AFC? Overwhelmingly active at the trade deadline. What does that tell us about the group of teams that feel like they're one of the seven getting in and who they're competing against? That's next on OutKick360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Who won and lost at the NFL trade deadline? That's coming up in a matter of minutes. Outkick 360 rolls on. We are live from 6th and Peabody in Nashville, Tennessee with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. So uh, I got to get this off my chest because uh, fans are driving me insane. Jeffrey Simmons, the Titans' excellent defensive tackle, uh, sat down with Dan Pompey, the excellent um, writer, NFL writer from The Athletic, who has a way of getting guys to open up to him. And Jeffrey Simmons, when he had a hold in during minicamp, um, 
you know, refused to talk about his contract, refused to talk about the issues he's having. He's vastly underpaid at $2 million. Uh, he's underrepresented. He's got, a, uh, I, th I think, a naive, inexperienced agent. Whatever. But, uh, you know, I went to Jeffrey Simmons after the first preseason game, and, and we had a – that wasn't a big deal, but I said, you know, is it safe to presume you're not doing any contract talking now that things have started? And he kind of yelled at me. Yeah, I'm not, what are you doing, Paul? I'm not talking contract now. And I said, that's what I'm trying to clarify. Like, you're not talking contract going forward. And he was really giving me the business to the point like a, a, a Titans PR person came over like there was something to break up. They always think there's something to break, break it up. up. Break it up. I was just trying to be clear. <laughs> These hey, guys don't want to fight. You're not it's talking. Paul's first time in the locker room in two years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're not talking contract anymore, right? There, there's no chance that you're, you and the Titans are not discussing contract anymore. I don't have to check in on this, right? You know, so in this story with the athletic, he makes two big con comments about his contract. Listen, people, not to me, not from a question I asked, not from a question anybody in the Nashville media asked. He wouldn't dare talk to us about it. He's talking to the athletic about it. He said, asked about what kind of conversation he had with the Titans. It was, we want you to be here, but we don't know exactly when we'll be able to pay you. The Titans were like, we don't know if we're going to be able to offer you what you think you are worth. We want to pay you, but we don't know where it's going to come from. That's basically what it was, not an offer. Then later he said, uh, he said he contemplated holding out. He said, what I'm making this year, some guys who just got in here are making. When you're talking about D-line, you have to think about the number one guy in the league, Aaron Donald. I'm making $2 million. He's making $30 million. I asked myself, do I want to go risk that? All right? These are good comments. Yeah. I'm a professional sports writer. I'm a professional journalist. I was one of two people that when Jeff Simmons had a scrum today, I asked him about these comments. He did what Jeff Simmons does. I said, you know, hey, when they say they don't know where the money's coming from or they don't know if they're going to be able to give you what you're worth, does that concern you? He does that smile thing and said, I'm concerned with Patrick Mahomes, you know, going into this week. Now, fans are ripping me for bringing this up. How could you bring this up? I didn't bring it up. He brought it up. He talked. In a story that was released that day, yes, today, right? He talked to somebody else about it. I was done asking contract questions. The person who brought up Jeffrey Simmons' contract was Jeffrey Simmons. <laughs> so don't be pissed at me or other reporters. Now, People are sending me what Jeffrey Simmons tweeted out this afternoon. Listen, I love where I'm at. I love the organization and most of all my teammates. I'm not worried about a contract. I'm focused on winning. Next story, please. And people are telling me, write a story about this. You won't get enough clicks on it? I didn't start any of this. Jeffrey Simmons started it. Go bitch at Jeffrey Simmons. I'm following it up. That's my job. How do you not get your head around this? Think for a second. I just read you two quotes. They weren't spoken by me. They weren't in response to a question by me. And quite frankly, a lot of smarter Titans fans than the one I'm talking about are very concerned by these questions because it makes it sound like there's a scenario down the road where the Titans don't pony up and pay Jeffrey Simmons. Though the digging I've done suggests that they were talking in the moment about their salary cap problems in 2022, not about the future. And I do believe they'll ultimately get him signed. They have control of him, as you know, Hut. 
next year on the fifth-year option, the year after that if they wanted to stretch it out on a franchise tag. I think they get a long-term contract done with him after this season. But apparently I'm not allowed to speak about Jeffrey Simmons' contract. If he had an agent, he would have been told to hold out like A.J. did. A.J. had leverage. So does Jeffrey Simmons. Well, I mean, he has leverage, but he doesn't have leverage because they have this control over him. And I think he's less likely to be an ass the way A.J. was. A.J. was only under contract for one more year. Simmons has the fifth-year option plus a tag year. So conceivably, they have the leverage through 2024 unless he goes the A.J. route and says, I'm going to be completely annoying, squeaky wheel. And I think Jeff doesn't have that in his personality the way A.J. does. Well, AJ was not a squeaky wheel until the Titans probably told him the same thing. No, and, and, and he also complained about getting a low ball offer compared to what Debo Samuel, who has the same agent, was trying to get in San Francisco. And it sounds like Jeffrey Simmons got the same response. And he's got a more, um, as you said, AJ's got a more professional agent. But I don't think we can make a determination on Simmons until he doesn't get a contract this offseason. I they want these guys to play four I, I, years and then give them a but deal. But, Paul, That's going back answer. to what you said, you ask a follow-up question because he was quoted in another story bringing the story back to life, and you did your job and, and did the right thing by asking him about it. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that quote. It's uh, not good. It doesn't make the Titans look good at all. He says in there he didn't get an offer. I didn't yeah, well, really get an, didn't offer. get an offer. The, we the, knew he didn't get well, an offer. Well, they, they, they told him, we don't, don't think we can pay you what you think you're going to get paid. Yeah, that, that's, the question a, that's is, a big the line. The question now. is the time frame. And, and from the digging I've done, I think that t- they were talking about last year they couldn't pay him. I think Next it's an year, they're 11, they're 11 over cap. the cap. But um, yeah, well, there's another thing. Next year, they're 11 over, but they've got Tannehill money. They've got Lawan money. But, they've got another guy money. And the other question I asked Hutt is, is it? Anything about Amy Adams Strunk's liquidity right, after buying out her sister no, with and, the, and with the stadium yes. financing coming. Yeah, they, Those are they, two huge monetary they, things in the last in a span of six years. It makes it sound minuscule when I say scrap together, but they they liquefied some things in order to make sure they had seven hundred million dollars to approach the local and state government to get the new stadium deal, the new dome approved. And she's not a filthy rich owner. And if you're I, I doing, mean, uh, but if you're doing, um, you know, uh, mega contracts, you and you're going to have these things guaranteed, right? You've got to be able to put money aside in escrow in order to pull that off. Which yeah. is the, what what's going to happen with Joe Burrow in Cincinnati? What's going right. to happen with Justin, Justin Herbert, Herbert. In, in L.A. with the Chargers? <laughs> And I think Haslam we saw a could do bit it. of it here. Although, Here's, I mean, the Titans did pay Harold Landry last year, and then they, they're paying their quarterback $30 million this year to well, stick here's, around. Here's the exact quote from the Pompey piece from Jeffrey Simmons. It was, we want you to be here, but we don't know exactly when we'll be able to pay you. The Titans were like, we don't know if we're going to be able to offer you what you think you were worth. We want to pay you, but we don't know where it's going to come from. That's basically what it was, not an offer. Let me say this again. Quote, we want to pay you, but we don't know where it's going to come from is very different than uh, a salary cap explanation. All right. Well, I've been led to believe that that is like a uh, That's that like a is crime a poverty thing. situation. I've been led to believe that that's a cap thing, and that may be Jeff not being clear enough. Well, uh, because, because to your point, they paid Landry. 
They gave they're paying Tannehill an immense amount of money, and they're locked in. They gave a two million dollar raise to, to Derrick, Derrick Henry, Henry coming off an injury, and they and have to spend to a floor. They extended Amani Hooker after what year? Year three. Yeah, going into his fourth year. So you know they, but he's not at the same level. But to your you point, you can bump yeah. up a two million dollar best player on your roster, though. Yeah, if you so choose. Yeah, that, the no. the quote itself just stuck out to me because I'm thinking. No, I understand why what people is, are where panicking. Where is it coming from? Thinking all the profit that yeah. you make as an NFL well, but here's, team. But there's no panic. <laughs> That's where it come from. There, there should be panic because he. You could be alarmed by it, but don't panic yet. That's so, what I wrote. But, but think about the what he's telling us based on what he's doing. He's playing through all this. No one. Uh, I, I mean, he's the biggest discount. In the I sent, I, Chad and I were discussing the matchup against the Texans whenever we found out that Tannehill wasn't on the flight, and I told him, I said. Simmons is making the trip, but he's got a really bad ankle injury. And then he walks out, and Project Runway is what we call it here amongst the three of us. Project Runway, uh, Titans edition, where they walk to the the charter and they show off their suits or whatever. It's very sexy. And Simmons walks up to the social media crew and says, you guys weren't expecting to see me today, were you? You haven't seen me all week. I'm here. So a guy that's paint, like has a quote saying, I wasn't sure if I was going to risk it, like, Man. He's all in. I, yes. And, and that's another and, reason. But also keep in mind, it, go back to the very first time he was introduced here in Nashville. It's a very emotional press conference. Amy Adam Shrunk was there. John Robinson had his back. Based on the history of what happened with him in high school, with the allegations or charges or whatever it was, and the fact that he had just been injured going well, into the combine. He was on video hitting a woman. Yes. He was up. And he was, up. he was uh, what, junior or senior year of high school. Ends up at Mississippi State. Stellar. Hurt going to the training for the combine. So they take a red shirt year, but they take him in the first round. It wasn't a red shirt year. He was week seven or eight against the Chargers was his debut. And I think there's also part of that that sticks with him that's loyal to the organization that said they were going to draft him and did if he was there that late 19. in the first round. Here's the other thing. Compa- comparing to AJ, I think they think receivers are more replaceable, which is funny because they've done such a bad job. But when they drafted Burks, I think a planet guy like Parcells would call a big man like like Simmons harder to find. For sure. And I think A.J. Brown had an incredible work ethic, but A.J. Brown missed games. Jeff isn't missing games. And A.J. Brown, in terms of leadership – not that A.J. was a bad leader, but uh, 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 Simmons is a superb leader. A follow me guy. Simmons is the guy in the middle of the huddle for the whole team so, delivering the message. AJ Brown was not that guy. I think AJ Brown's a superb player and it was a big mistake to let him go. But Jeffrey Simmons, I think, when they look at work ethic, leadership, production, I think they see a better overall package. I agree. I would also say, like, they traded one dude away that was part of the reason why today, if he were here, you would point and say, you know what? They're not doing a lot of things right, but here's why they're going to continue to win. Vrabel, I would insert A.J. Brown, Derrick Henry, Jeffrey Simmons, Kevin Byer. Same caliber. They let one guy go, and one guy has stayed, and he's playing on the current deal, and he's playing through it. So you reward him for it. But the quote, yeah, the quote is way different on the quote. So I, it's, uh, it's something to follow, and I mean... But don't ask him about the it. The price tag's only going up substantially. Like, if they were saying that then, he's, I think he's going to end up making about $25, $26, 27000000 yeah, million pushing, dollars a year. pushing 30 Where I think you could offer him 20 
This past offseason, off of the one eight-and-a-half-sack season last year. He's and, on pace for 13 uh, now, yeah, I think. Yeah, it's, uh, and I wrote a column this offseason. I said, it's, it's Jeffrey Simmons and Nick Bosa that stand to really cash in based on Aaron Donald Rays. And the difference between the two is Bosa's getting $10 million this year. Right. Simmons isn't getting $10 million until next year as scheduled. They, they really, though, I believe, and Imani Hooker aside, but he's not on the same financial level. They don't want to get, I think, and I've maintained this from the beginning, in a precedent of paying their star players after three years as compared to after four years, particularly ones that they have control of beyond that, uh, that, that third year, which is a first-rounder. And they don't hit on first-rounders, so we don't have a lot of experience with it. So let's, let's, let's tag off of that going into the trade deadline. So you know, part of the argument for not making a move is – and uh, the Titans are included in this because the AFC was very active yesterday and all, throughout this entire process. And some of it counts for the Jets trading a pass rusher to the Broncos. And again, um, but those were the, for the most part, the, the wheelers and dealers. So the argument would be, well, we're, they want to stock up on draft picks. And early round picks have been so successful, right? Like, Get a proven commodity if you can. And I'm not even trying to say the Titans had someone in mind or that someone was willing to make a deal with them. But the argument that, oh, we're just going to draft in April, the window is now. No. And it's not with Malik Willis next year. At least there's no indication of that. Point being, there were some aggressive teams. Miami made deals, right? Yep. Today at the podium, Tua Tungabailoa is asked about it. And he says... We are not afraid to talk about Super Bowls within this organization. That was his answer. If you say that over at the Titans practice facility, the response is, well, you We're know, it starts with, City uh, on starts with winning our division. That's the answer. There's a huge difference in approach here, and I, I think it's a mistake to just run it back because we saw them do this last year. The only difference is, Instead of Deontay Foreman, they currently have Derrick Henry running the football. But that wasn't the issue. Well, the yeah. other big difference is no A.J. Brown. And they'll, they won't even say it starts with winning the division during the season. They'll talk about it during the offseason. If you ask them today, they'll say, we're just getting ready for Kansas City on Saturday, uh, Sunday, Sunday night. So one game at and a time, all of that. They're very good at winning games in the regular season. Yep. And at some point, expectations rise. But you do that, like uh, Miami's putting it with Tua. That speaks volumes. They're investing in Tua Tagovailoa. This offseason, the Philadelphia Eagles invested in Jalen Hurts. And with your $30 million quarterback, you traded away A.J. Brown. Think about that for a moment. That's, there's a line in the sand on how they're going about winning compared to the rest of the league. Now, Give Derrick Henry a raise. So here, but here's the thing. Um, if Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes gets hurt, then you know the Titans rise up the pecking order a bit. But you can't bet on that. No different than if uh, another offensive lineman goes down for them. Oh, then, then say, they're screwed. As we say time and time again, they can't win four games in a row in the style that they need to win games. So I, I, I bring it up because we had the winners-losers, and I think a lot of teams improved at the deadline defensively. In the AFC... Baltimore got better on defense. Miami got better on defense. Um, 
didn't the, the Browns added a linebacker? I think Deion Jones from was it from Atlanta it, over the yes. last couple of weeks? Yeah, about three weeks ago. The Titans are fine on defense, and we didn't see a ton of movement, but we did see movement at receiver. Even the Chiefs added um, a, a, a rookie Project or no, a third a third year receiver with the guarantees coming up. Point being, I I think the Titans have even more of a narrow path based on some depth and then added quality on defense to get after the passer when they stop the run once you get to January. Well, and just to look at another team in the AFC, the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Right? The biggest splash yesterday was Bradley Chubb, the trade from Denver, going to, to Miami. Of course, the offseason, Tyreek Hill. We talked about them supporting, loading up with Tua as their quarterback and helping him. Now helping that defense, that's a move that's not just to get in the playoffs, right? I, I, I view that as exactly. the Dolphins saying, this is a winnable conference. We're trying to go to the Super Bowl here. We beat the Bills. Now, granted, we all know the Bills had their entire secondary out for that game, but they still won the game. So if you're Miami, I, I, I appreciate the teams that it's not just viewing it as a window and saying, well, we have a window here of two to three years to compete. Uh, but it's more of saying, we had this glimpse. We saw Tua when healthy. We saw this offense. We love our new coach. Let's go get it right now. Let's at least take the swing and see if well, we can get it right now and not necessarily worry about what window we're in or did it start or is it closing up or are we in the middle of it. It's more of let's make the move for the big the big defensive player and let's go for it and this year. They also had Jeff Wilson's a top 10 rusher right now in yards per carry in the NFL. But also, there's another element to it. This is year one for that regime. And they also are surveying the rest of the conference right now. Saying that with, you know, here, we can be the third team. And we saw Cincinnati make a run last year based on having to go to Arrowhead in the AFC Championship game. There's a lot of, there's a war of attrition you have to win with this. But the Dolphins, and I think the Baltimore Ravens got a lot better too. Oh, Will, Here, Con, Will so, Con Smith is is maybe the best inside slash middle linebacker. Well, and they're the getting game. they're getting their two draft picks back who have been on either IR or PUP or whatever non football injury based on the draft. They've got two two guys coming up. Here's the other thing: Miami made the trade, the Trey Lance trade, with San Francisco, and I think the over the overall opinion was, oh, they're going to take those first round picks. And they're going to they'll draft high and they're, they're going to start over. What they've done is for Trey Lance, they have traded those picks in exchange for Jalen Waddle drafting him, Tyreek Hill, and now Bradley Chubb. That's what they've done with the pick for Trey Lance, which is good. Here's the one thing about Chubb that I didn't realize: I knew he was hurt. I didn't realize he was this hurt. Rookie year in 2018, he played 16 games. 2019, he played four. 2020, he played 14. All right, you'll take that. 2021, seven. Um, and and this year so far, eight. So that's a lot of injuries yes. in, the, in the last three years. So again, you know, these deals come with risk, but you'd like to be dealing with a guy who you know is a stalwart. And you can't, and who's gonna be no there. one's trading the guys the who stalwart. are healthy and are great. Unless so you're Von Miller on the back end yeah. of a, a fire cell. You're assuming some risk here, the same way the McCaffrey deal comes with that yes. fear for me. So I like those trades if you're guaranteeing me those two guys are staying healthy. But if McCaffrey goes down or Chubb goes down, 
you know, I'll, I'll be willing to second guess what you traded for. I like the go for it mentality, but if that guy goes down, you had reason to be a little bit skeptical. It's also intriguing just to kind of survey what other teams are telling us by the moves they made, like Jacksonville trading for Ridley, uh, the other receivers, we can go through them all. But I think the point is, I think a lot of teams view this upcoming free agent crop and the draft itself as being down compared to recent years. So let's go ahead and guarantee that we've got a guy in our system and we kind of move forward with a new contract instead of we'll get him young and, you know, get him within the system itself. Well, certainly for Jacksonville to go Christian Kirk and Calvin Ridley back-to-back, that's a nice two-year progression at wide receiver for Trevor Lawrence, who we talked about yesterday. You need to start seeing more from ASAP. Chad, um, I, biggest loser for you in the tra- at the trade deadline? Um, just anyone who did nothing that has a chance to do something this year. I mean, I put the Titans on that list. Um, you know, the, the Eagles didn't do anything, but that's the Eagles saying – we like where we are. Well, they did something at the draft. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, again, I, I just think it's those that decided to do nothing where there, there's, a clear, there's a clear need. The Titans, to me, are the easiest example that there is such a clear need for someone that can make a play catching the football. And they didn't, tr- they didn't pull off anything. They're banking on uh, Traylon Burks and then – you know, they're, they're hoping that they get their guys healthy that are currently on injured reserve. Um, coming up later, there, there's, a cat, there's one more piece to the trade deadline that's not been brought up that we need to throw out there in regards to teams that did nothing. And I, there's a piece of the puzzle that one team is going to point to is like, this is the grand plan all along. When we come back, though, Paul's Phillies. Paul's Philly. About the Phils. Over the Astros last night. We Big discussed Philly the World guy. Series. Mattress Max not happy. That's next on Outkick 360. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. McCullers to Harper. It's good. The second and rips one to left field over Alvarez and gone! Ambush! Three zip! Marsh, it's a fly ball to right field. It's off the top of the wall and gone! The third home run for the Phillies! Schwarber flies it to center field. McCormick's going back. He's at the track. He's at the wall. Gone! Wow! Monstrous blast! Hoskins with a tie. Left field! The South Philly Bombers with five. Phillies Radio Network on the call, setting the World Series record, tying the World Series record, most home runs in a game, and hammering the baseball in game three. 2-1 series lead for Philadelphia. How about that National League dominance? Two years in a row, looking like right now. 
over the Astros. NL East dominance. You can't get me with that, Chad, because you know how I feel about the Astros. The Astros are a National <laughs> League team. I, I still don't think of the Astros the as a National League team that continues team. to dominate Man, the American League every year. This is Three what the six Yankees World were doing to start the yeah, year. The first yeah. half of the year. That is an incredible performance last There's, night. I mean, it just. There's something about Ridiculous. like a good uh, play-by-play guy that gets oh, he was the, good. Wow! Yeah, <laughs> it's like the the surprise. This wow! But they got the right mix with is that the crowd. Joe Davis? And uh, yeah, yeah, yes, it is. Yeah. He's it good. No, that was the Phillies. That was the Phillies crew that we just listened to, right? No, that's no, the that was National Joe, Fox. Oh, okay. Broadcast. Oh, well, Joe I was Davis. off. I thought it was. I thought, uh, it, was I thought it was Phillies. Yeah, I thought it was good. It sounded like a guy. You know, I almost I detected a little bit of a Philly accent in there. Talking about Wawa the, at some point, and wow. And, and then Bryce Harper. I mean, coming through in the clutch, but also just you know he gets the mega deal, and then he's about to, at least I think we hope, win the World Series. This guy was a huge pain in the ass. Yeah, he with was a the villain. nationals, right? And a yeah. huge villain. I say villain, but like there He was a national villain. Yeah. He's, it's still not a great story. <laughs> I don't well, look at, that's I don't look at Bryce Harper as like I mean, oh, everybody feels great for Bryce Harper. He's come a long way. Yeah, no, you're his, not in Atlanta. His fan. rep has is definitely improved. You know, to, you know for how, sure. You know where I turned on that? I mean, I'm kind of for the Phillies, even as a Braves fan. When um when he was he's he's mic'd up all the time on ESPN broadcast. Yeah, he's stuff. good and on Sunday night baseball when they mic him up. Yeah, I think you, you, you're able to learn a personality a bit. Hey, in the rich get richer department, yes. uh, the number two quarterback in the oh. 2024 class has just committed to Nick Saban in Alabama. This quarterback's name is Julian Sayin. Sayin, going to go play for Saban. I'm just saying. S-A-Y-I-N. He is from San Diego, California. Julian Sayin, five-star quarterback in the class of 2024. Go somewhere else. Make your own story. Write your own. Go wherever he wants to. I want him to go somewhere other than Alabama. I, did, I was just thinking that when I saw this about Ty Simpson, who is oh. a five-star from the state who grew up a Tennessee fan, die hard, and goes to Alabama, and he is sitting there watching Tennessee as the number one team in America in the first college. I mean, how shocked is he when he would not return Josh Heupel's calls? And thinking, boy, Tennessee's just going to be mediocre at best, so I'm going to go win a national title at Bama. And then his team loses to Tennessee in year one. And he's a huge Tennessee fan. It hurts, doesn't it? This is why you go against the grain. This is a good good lesson. That, <laughs> but every every quarterback who won a national title at Bama saying, this is why you go to Bama. <laughs> they could also argue that. Against the grain. We head back to the NFL when we return, and then we talk college football, Tennessee, and Georgia on OutKick 360. 